Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sangai and the good son with you. Really quickly, we would like to apologize to all the listeners. We had some technical difficulties with Blog Talk Radio over the last few weeks that caused us to not be on the air. We apologize to the listeners and to our guests for that. It was out of our control, but we are back with you now and hoping to kick things off well. Some show notes if you are looking for some pro wrestling in the next couple of days tonight. WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. Project Gemini in Jeffersonville, Indiana at the Arena. Tomorrow night, Emerge Wrestling in Columbus, Indiana. RWA, where you can find myself and Chicken Bob in Ocean Shores, Washington. DOA in Portland, Oregon. Brew City Wrestling in Waukesha, Wisconsin. MPW in Borger, Texas. KCW in Ferguson, Kentucky. RPW in Joliet, Illinois. Tetsu Pro in Bristol, Connecticut. XICW in Clinton Township, Michigan. MSWA in Rockwood, Tennessee. And SWAG happening over in Huntingdon, Tennessee. Without further ado, though, I want to welcome our guest to the show. He will be at the aforementioned show in Borger, Texas for Motivate Pro Wrestling. See, Nick, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this. Well, since today happens to be your first day with us, I'm going to lead you off with our traditional first-timer question. How did you get into the business of professional wrestling? Oh, wow. Um, It really started officially about 13 years ago. Um, prom- local promoter I knew here in Georgia, he was running events and a lot of talent wouldn't share the flyer. So I would get on and on Facebook, share the flyer, got on Twitter, shared it. And he liked the way I promoted it. And from there he gave me a chance. He said, hey, how would you like to come in, you know, help me um, do some stuff backstage or help promote? And I said, okay, sure. And did that, did the whole social media and, um, from there, it led to um, me conducting backstage interviews. Then he liked the way I thought about wrestling, let me do the booking. And um, then um, it's kind of taken off from there. Well, you have worn a lot of hats in the industry in your time. You have, like you said, booked and helped with promotion. You've also managed, you've done ring announcing, you've done commentary. I'm sure there's a slew of other jobs that you have done as well. 
Oh, yeah. Do you have a particular favorite role? Um, honestly, it's actually one that I did not think I would like, and it was um, commentary. Um, it was a show I remember, December 2018. Um, I was the ring announcer, and the promoter of the show said, hey, Nick, um, you're doing commentary tonight. And I'm just, I'm like, what? <laughs> and um, I get on there, nervous as all get out. I said to myself, okay, how would some of the greats do this? How would, you know, anyone do, you know, do commentary role? So I just envision, okay, I'll use my character, the Black Diamond Scenic, while also, you know, not making it about me, but calling the action and just go from there and, you know, I saw a few hiccups here and there. You know, I couldn't ask for a better night. Um, it worked out, and, you know, it's one of those things in wrestling you had to always be ready. You never know when you might be doing something else that you didn't expect, <laughs> like that night. Exactly. That is why I try to tell people, learn every role, because you never know when a situation will arise that you're needed for it. Right. And I was One fortunate the... that um, I did some of the um, training at um, what's now called Nightmare Factory, but One Fall Power Factory. And um, one of the things I did, we had one show that had commentary, so I got a little bit of my feet wet. But I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll do this. But that show that I had to do it on the fly, that really solidified it. I was like, okay, I love this. One of the things that a lot of independent wrestling promotions have gotten into, especially this decade, is live streaming their shows. There are people that feel that live streaming shows hurts the live attendance and the money that comes in from the live crowd. Other people think that is a good promotional tool to encourage people and to get people that may not be in the area to potentially buy merchandise and things of that nature. Where do you sit as far as live streaming shows at the independent level? Mm, I always have felt that business-wise, it's um, it's the promotion's um, content, and that shouldn't be just sent out there for free. But with that same token, um, if it's to entice people from out of state, in the state, okay, to come attend the live show, I would. what I would do is I would live stream one match that I know it's going to be kind of like a good match that's going to kind of whet the appetite and have that be my one live stream match, and I'll have the tagline of, okay, if you like this, this is what you'll see at our show every every single time. Come to our event and also um, check us out on this, this, or whatever. And if you can't attend, for $5, here's like, I don't know, maybe a Patreon. You can see our show, stuff like that. So you're I doing wouldn't the- want to just give it away for free. You're essentially using the old promoter technique of pacify, don't satisfy. Right. 
give you a little bit, and then, you know, you got to pay for the rest. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's been a big story in the last few weeks within professional wrestling that the motion picture, the Iron Claw, has come to movie theaters, and it is most likely the biggest movie having to do with wrestling since Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler came out several years ago. Right. Uh, whether you're familiar with the Von Erichs or not, most people that follow wrestling are watching the movie, and whether they like it or not, they're paying to see it, so it is a big deal. Yeah. If audiences at larger going out to see it's a different story, but I mean it's still there for viewing by anyone that has it playing at the local theater. Have you seen or have formed an opinion on the movie? I haven't seen it yet. Um, I will say just based on the online, I knew a lot of actors took the role seriously. They have a uh, appreciation for the sport that is professional wrestling. Um, I love seeing that. And um, the only thing I see from, you know, based on online, especially my Facebook feed, is everyone keeps talking about the guy who played Ric Flair. And my, my big thing is don't let one part be the focus of the entire movie. I'm sure there's so much more to to think about the draw from just viewing the movie, just don't let that be the whole thing. But that's that's kind of, I guess, typical social media age. You, the rest was really good, but you pick that one thing and harp on it, and that's just, I don't know, that's just part of course, I guess. Now, another big thing happening in wrestling is Impact Wrestling is completely rebranding itself once again to the original TNA branding, even though the ownership is completely different and there's no similarity between the offices. Uh, They maintain the rights to TNA and so forth and so on. Next week, they relaunch themselves, essentially, as TNA. Do you think that the rebranding is ultimately going to make a difference as far as their business, or do you think that things are going to go pretty much as they have for them the last few years? I think... Honestly, I think it might be a good thing for the business because, let's face it, even when they became Impact Wrestling for... It's been well over, what, four or five years now. People still call them TNA. And that's brand recognition, whether people like what, you know, the three letters or not. And I think that um, you have Scott Demore, who was there in the early TNA days. Um, And even when they didn't have Russo, in that initial run in 2005, Scott Demore was making some of the best booking decisions in TNA and even now you look at the product and it's just been, I think, the most underappreciated wrestling promotion going. They've had consistent storylines. They've gotten different um, wrestlers over. 
uh, put them in great situations. This has been a phenomenal product that I think people need to check out more. I think their biggest hamper is their channel, which I know the parent company owns, but I wish there was a way they can get on a bigger network. I think they really deserve it. That's a hard-working crew. Um, it's a company, honestly, I've always wanted to be a part of. Um, I, I watched the first pay-per-view June 19, 2002. I was just, I wanted to be a part of that. And here it is now, 2024, and I'm still saying, okay, I want to be a part of, you know, TNA. I think it would be good for the business because the brand recognition. Well, at this point in time, my co-host, the good son, Andrew Michelson, is staying by. I know Andrew has questions also, so I'm going to pass things right over to him. Okay. Um, so you, you know, like Sign Guy said, you've worn a lot of hats in the business. You said commentary was kind of nerve-wracking for you. What has been your mm-hmm. favorite role to play, and, like, and why was it your favorite role? Like, what has been your favorite thing you've done with wrestling, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. I- now, well, now commentary is my favorite thing because um, I kind of have my own flow with it. There's always that first show when you're either paired with another announcer and, you know, you don't know how it's going to work, but when it flows, it flows. It's the best feeling. Or even if I'm doing solo commentary, I always make a point to research the brand, research the the, the workers for that promotion, and kind of go from there. But I have to say my favorite role or memory in wrestling I had was when I, I did the storyline with Duke the Dumpster Josie at um, Revive Pro Wrestling in, in McMinnville, Tennessee. That was so much fun. It resulted in me getting beat up, but, you know, a lot of fun. I got to pay tribute to, you know, Jim Cornette and Bobby Heenan doing some of their older stuff and doing a modern twist on it and just had a lot of fun with it. Um I actually got to work a match in that one, and I won. And um, they formed a faction called The Prestige. Um, And it was really going well. Um, It's kind of one of those bittersweet memories where we could have went further after the Duke the Dumpster storyline, but sometimes in this business, you know, people get jealous instead of thinking about, you know, what money we can bring in. But, you know, other than that, I, I think about the good memory and just having that whole angle storyline, which I, I came up with, and it worked and it popped the crowd. That's, that's all that matters. That's the best part. There you go. And I agree. As long as you can pop the crowd, that's what matters. Um, you know, you brought up, like, the whole jealousy ask. Um, what has been, I guess, your hardest part of, like, you know, is it the jealousy? Is it, like, some people are, like, what's been the hardest thing in wrestling that you've had to deal with? Um, kind of, uh, well, honestly, two things. Um, for one, not still not being treated seriously as manager or commentator because, you know, I'm not a wrestler. And either promoters don't take it seriously or some of the, you know, some of the men and women don't. And it's a, it's a sad thing because, I'm one of those I actually went to training school to become more legitimate. I could have easily had one of those, you know, free passes. Hey, I came up through social media, through booking and all this, and now look at me, which some people tell me, you know, that would have been okay, but I wanted to go a different route. I 
you know, once I finished my tenure at the company, I did the um, I did my training, um, all of that, and I worked hard to get where I am today. And it still gets discredited. Some people think that oh, you know, I'm just a commentator; it doesn't matter, or it's just a manager. But managers help good managers, I should say. Put that out there. Good managers help the talent, help enhance the event, everything. Um, also can help with creative when it comes to whoever they're working with, when it comes to merchandise ideas, when it comes to catchphrases, everything, you name it. Um, commentators um, help build the show, build the match, help help describe the storyline, transcribe the art that's going on, in the, going on in the ring, or even if that art looks like a, a really Timu.com Picasso <laughs> help dress it up so, you know, no one looks bad. Um, all those different things and elements going, I think, you know, that's that's the part that I, I hate that I still had to deal with, um, you know. It's like it's a competition and I don't matter because I'm not a wrestler. Uh, the other thing is this touching into the jealousy aspect is sometimes you're getting a certain level and you seem to be getting there kind of fast. People either pretend they hate you or make up things about you, and I've had to go through all of that before. And it's it's kind of like being in middle school all over again in a sense. But you know, unlike a lot of people who are trying to do that, I actually act my age, and I'm you know I don't internalize it. I try to take it as okay. I'm glad I found out what you're about, who you are. Let me move on. Let me get the best revenge by having success. And that's what I do. Yeah, there you go. No, I completely agree with you. Like, if you don't have a good commentary team or, you know, even going back to you, you know, as a manager, as a, you know, I have my own manager, and I will say she helps me a lot with promoting me as my, you know, in, in general because yeah. I'll be the first to admit when it comes like I'm I can do pretty well promoting but like when it comes to like video editing I'm garbage at it so she's really good at that um so I'll yeah. be the first but like if you don't have a good commentary team that's in you know uh enlightening the match then it doesn't you know uh one of my, the best commentary teams out there was Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross you know they always enlightened yeah. the wrestlers the match they didn't focus on you know, themselves, and I think that's what you need. And uh, same with the manager, you know. If you have a manager that's just trying to get themselves over but not worrying about the client, um, it doesn't, you know, it, it's kind of like what, what's the point of it. So I do agree, like, it's really messed up that a lot of people go, like, oh, well, you're just commentary. Well, if I if I really, you know, best way to put it is if you really wanted to be petty, you could, make, you could be on that commentary making that person – look awful and saying how bad they are because they didn't like you. So I definitely agree that, you know, it is one of those things where it's a business where there is jealousy and everything and where people think, oh, I'm better mm-hmm. because I'm a wrestler. And you can't always think that, you know, some people do yeah. get out there b- bigger and better because they're putting themselves out there or they put on the better matches. So, you know, I don't think jealousy is the right. So like, I definitely agree with you there. So it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's refreshing hearing that, you know, knowing that, you know, it sucks that you had to go through that because that's not fair to you. Cause like you said, if, you know, if you wanted to, you could make it sound awful on commentary. So I think it's, you know, it, it is one of those things where you're not just a commentator. You are part of the show that is making the show. 
And, and the other thing about that is like, and I could, you know, people could easily do that. There are a lot of people who've done commentary that will just straight up bury the talent. I've never believed in doing that, even if someone pisses me off. I'm like, I can't do that because what I think about first and foremost is the person who hired me and the promotion. I said, okay, that wouldn't be a good look. And you had to think about your own reputation and, and you know, going from there. Like, I don't, I don't want to be tagged as that guy who, oh, you know, if you, you piss me off, I'm going to bury you kind of dude, you know, something like that. So, And also, too, the other thing, some some wrestlers, uh, you know, they think a commentator shouldn't be paid and all these things. And I'm just sitting here, I'm like, you know, Michael Cole makes more than a lot of people even wrestling in the WWE right now. Yeah. So, so much for just the commentator, right? Yeah. <laughs> No, and, and I and I agree with you there because again you you know it is it's a lot of people don't think about reputation sometimes it's like reputation is a big thing especially in this business because you could go out and like you said bury someone because oh they looked at you funny or they said something that you didn't like but you're not going to do that because at the end of the day it's your reputation on the line and I I think that's yeah. what a lot of people don't think about and so you know I was. Uh, one of the guys I watch on YouTube, Brian Zane, he was talking about like Mark Madden, who is just an awful commentator. Because you could you could tell, like if you go back and watch him, and like I'm not normally one to diss people, but like he tried to make it about himself, where he just buries everyone, and it's like, dude, what's, what right. what what are you doing here? And he was on WCW, <laughs> like big time, so it's like, what what's the point? Right, and I remember <laughs> that that period when he was on there, um, and I was like, okay, this. Hey, you know, granted, by that time, Bobby the Brain wasn't, you know, as as a teenager, I wasn't in love with Bobby the Brain. <laughs> oh, commentary yeah, yeah, no. That time's more to Jerry the King Lawler. But at the same time, I said, I want Bobby the Brain back because this guy is just not focused on the match at all. It's all about him. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. how I feel like. I get being a heel, but not obnoxious to that level. Yeah, exactly. Like, even, you know, but, yeah, again, yeah, it's like don't be obnoxious where you're taking away from the match because if you take away from the match, why are people watching now? Like they're focused right. on you and and not necessarily saying every match was a great match, but if you're taking away from the great matches, now people are just going to stop watching because they can't stand that person's voice. And I think that's a big thing too is mm-hmm. where, you know, commentators, like they do have a big influence because if they're not, you know, enlightening the match, even if it could it could be the worst match you've ever seen, you know, if but if the commentator are making you believe that this is the greatest thing, you know, you're gonna believe it. Right. How do you dress it up? You don't you don't necessarily point out mistakes in the match and you know, with me being in training I can easily say, Okay, um, footwork isn't there, this isn't there, but I would never do that. I would always try to dress it up, come up with some type of creative way. I don't want the person to either A you know, hear that and want to give up or pretty much expose the business to people who don't know. Yeah. No, and I completely agree. You know, like I've been doing this for 12 years. I started very young. I started when I was 16. I was in high school and I was still looking at, I'm like, it felt like it was back to high school again. I'm like, what, what's going on here? Yep. Because, you know, there are those people that think they are bigger and better than they really are. Or they are great, but they just let their heads get to it. It's like, there has been amazing wrestlers who humble themselves and like, 
yeah, I did what I did. I was good. But and then you got the ones that are are good but don't humble themselves. I think that's another thing is you have to almost be you have to have an ego to know what you're worth, but also be humble enough to know yeah. that you're not the greatest thing out there. There's gonna be another you. You know, I've always been the holder. Yeah. Never should be the, a new this or the next. You know, in any sport, wrestling, football. You know, they always talk about. I'm put, I'm a Packers fan, and they're talking about oh Jordan loves the next. I'm like next Rogers. I'm like why does he have to be the next? <laughs> Let him just be him. Or you know even right. when Rogers was playing oh he's the next Tom Brady blah blah blah. Or you know you go to go to WWE oh they're the next Rock they're the next Stone Cold they're the next John Cena why can't why do they have to be the next why can't they be the first right you know let them be them <laughs> yeah because then that is almost giving them too much of an ego because now they're like oh well I'm gonna be just as good as this person but maybe they're not you know you you gotta let yeah. the person be them yeah exactly and that's how you get people who just get out there and they they completely bomb they flopped. Because you mm-hmm. built up these big expectations, oh, it's the next, you know, Stone Cold, and then uh, they're not Stone Cold. It may be lukewarm. Nope. Yeah, so exactly. It doesn't work. Yeah. And I no, that, um, exactly, yeah. And some of these people who have these egos, reputation, I'm always, like, in a locker room. I'm I'm observing. I'm kind of to myself sometimes, unless I know someone, but I'm always observing. And if I notice after a few times, you know, not just one meeting, but a few meetings because, you know, human nature, sometimes yeah. people have things going on. But if it's many times and you're, like, kind of, like, you know, egotistical, you're full of yourself, you act ugly and arrogant, then I'm not going to recommend you to any promoter. If someone asks me, hey, how about this guy? I'm gonna, I'm just going to tell them the truth. I'm not going to bury them, but I'm going to tell the truth. I say, okay, this is my experience with them. They're talented, but they're going to be a problem in the locker room because they're full of drama. You know, exactly. stuff like that. And that's the thing, too, is, you know, you do. You want to have the best people in the locker room because, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I was a CM Punk fan for the longest time, and then he got an ego, yeah. and he alienated a lot of locker rooms. If you have those people alienating the locker room, those, people, those other people are not going to put on their best work because, okay, why? And... It's just, it's morale. You can't have bad morale if you yeah. have an ego. If you have someone who's egotistical, like and just and I'm the same way. You know, sign guy can vouch. I'm very like I'm very open. I talk to everyone, but I also sit back yeah. and observe. You know. Yeah. Exactly. You have to, and because that's another thing. It goes back to reputation. Let's say if you recommended someone to another promoter and they went in there just caused nothing but problems in that locker room then here's your name in the ground because you're the one who recommended them. Exactly. And I've never listened to you probably again about somebody. So I, I think of everything in that perspective. I said I could have this person who's really good and needs that shot, and they won't listen to me now because I gave them this horrible person. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what I got for right now. What what you got, sign guy? All right, thank you, Andrew. Well, okay. see, Nick, one of the things that a lot of people in the business will relate to is sometimes shows go very, very long, and <laughs> yeah. you will have at the independent level sometimes a three-and-a-half, four-hour show, and the fans usually 
leave there a little bit frazzled because they've often gotten there early and then were made to wait because the promoter wanted to see if more people would come through the door. So they're there maybe an hour before the show gets started and then they're there for so long during the course of a show. Oftentimes there's a long intermission. What would you say at this point has been the longest show that you have been a part of so far? Oof. Um, there was a show in Texas I did, um, not MPW, obviously, but there's a show I did in Texas that um, at bail time was supposed to be um, 6 p.m., the bell, no one, the match didn't start until 7.30, and the show did not end until 11.30. And it wasn't a big event show. It was just one of the regular shows, and it was just so pointless. And they booked everyone who showed up pretty much in a match, which I get giving people opportunity, but you're crunched for time, and you have, you know, because people, what people don't know is you have, you know, there's certain time limits on these arenas or venues, you had to be out by a certain time. And you got all these people in the match. It ended up being um, 13 matches that night. Um, a lot of guys ended up going over um, their time, and it just wasn't good. Very regrettable. Glad I wasn't on commentary uh, for that one because, oh, my gosh. Um, but I was, that was the longest and worst show. Are you all was not a fan and oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I wasn't a fan and the since it ended at eleven thirty and we're supposed to be out of the venue by like um I think by midnight. Yeah, all that tear down and stuff, which takes more than thirty minutes sometimes, especially if you don't have a lot of people. Yeah, that wasn't a good night. <laughs> especially for the promoter that probably had to pay extra for being past his time. Yep, and he did. <laughs> no doubt about that. A lot of wrestlers don't actually <laughs> consider that, but if a promoter is not out of the venue on time, there's also extra fees that they have to pay, so any money they may have made on a show went to covering the show running long. Right. As well as some people have said, you know, if you're going to run a show, have enough to run the show, pay everybody, and have a little bit extra left over because you just never know. Precisely. You work oftentimes as a manager, and in the last couple of years we've seen at the national level a little bit of a resurgence with managers AEW has several active managers on its roster that are getting ample TV time. Wow, Women of Wrestling is on national TV, and they have a number of managers. WWE has used managers sparingly, but a little bit more than they had in previous years. What do you think of the upswing in the use of managers at the national level? 
I think it's a good thing because everything that's done at a national level, it trickles down to independence. Um, because let's face it, everyone watches a national product, and they try to mimic that, um, you know, where they want to admit it or not. But um, I like it. I want. I hope it encourages people to become a manager. Here's the thing, though, two things. A lot of the wrestlers, they, they, they have to learn how to work with a manager, um, meaning that it doesn't mean that having a manager means you can't speak, you can't talk. It just means someone's amplifying and building you up more. I like to tell people an old school example. Look at um, Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan. You know, Rick Rude can cut a promo. But having Bobby Heenan out there just amplified the act, made it even, gave even more heat. And that's what it's all about. And, you know, I just want a lot of men and women to remember and think that. Even if you had the best promos, catchphrases, that manager helps amplify everything and get you more heat and get you more hatred, which means promoters are going to look at you and say, hey, this is a lot of heat going here. I want to have this person on my show and have them here and there. The other token to that is that, unfortunately, some people see being a manager as an easy way in the business. Um, now, some people have actually, like, legit cut their teeth in there. I'm not saying everyone necessarily has to go to training school, but it's, it's best that they did. Because um, what I don't want to see is people's spouses or boyfriend, girlfriend thinking, oh, I can do that too and get in there and just, it's not one of those things that just anyone can do. It's a certain skill set. Um, you have to know when to also how to turn things around if something in the match goes wrong that wasn't talked about or if something was forgotten, how to fill that space so it doesn't seem jolted or messed up, to make everything seem seamless. That's what a good manager does. It's always, always watching the match and paying attention to the crowd. It's a lot of hard work. One of the most important things in professional wrestling, obviously, is the actual physical ring itself. I'm oh, yeah. sure you've discovered, like Andrew and myself and everyone else in the business, <laughs> wrestling rings, especially at the independent level, can vary a lot. You have some really nice rings that are safe and very professional to use. You have rings that are death traps that are almost falling apart, and you have to be very, very cautious in what you do in them. And of course, there's everything in between there. Do you have a personal favorite physical ring in which you've worked? <laughs> Ooh. Um... There's one for promotion. Um, oh, actually, the one at um, King of Sports Championship Wrestling. Um, that ring is pretty good. Um, there's no board sticking up, which is always awesome. And <laughs> it's the right size. And um, it's not a low boy. I, I I get why promotions use low boys. I just don't like them. It just doesn't seem, I don't know, to me from a visual point of view, it doesn't seem pleasing. It just kind of seems off. When I think about wrestling, 
And like a lot of people, they watch the national product. I think about like a real solid ring that's up this high and, you know, you have ring steps. Um, that's all part of the package. And I think, you know, just seeing that makes me think, okay, I actually went to a really good show. It might be that kid that's disappointed he didn't get to go to WWE. And it's, you know, the presentation matters. If you have a nice ring, good ring apron, ring set, all that, that matters. And it makes him say, okay, this isn't so bad after all. And then he starts getting into it, he or she. And, you know, that matters. Um, but, yeah, the King of Sports ring was one of the best ones I worked in um, that I unfortunately had to take a bump in. Because <laughs> no matter what ring, bumps still hurt. But um, that was a good one. There's another one. I'm trying to think of a promotion. Um, oh, UPWA, we did um, – Mania week when it was in New Jersey, New York, and um, did a battle royal. That ring um, was solid. It was nothing like sticking up or anything. It was just well-built, put together. That was a solid one. Big enough. You know, you had enough um, enough height to it. I definitely felt it when I fell out the, the all over the top rope. But, you know, stuff like that is good. It matters. That Monster Factory, they've had a show there that weekend as well. I did that, and that one was good. Shout out one to Danny the, Cage. <laughs> one of the things that also can vary quite a bit in pro wrestling, especially when it comes to independence, is catering. Sometimes promoters will bring in like full meals and let the wrestlers eat, especially if it's going to be a several-hour day for them uh, where they're going to be there without being able to leave and come back to get food. Some promoters will bring in bottled water and uh, energy drinks, things of that nature for the talent, but no actual food. Other promoters don't bring anything, and so it's up to the wrestlers to be able to supply things to eat and drink on their own. Where do you sit as far as what you feel a promoter should do as far as catering and bringing in uh, at least water and things of that nature? I mean, I look at it like this from one perspective. Um, it's not a condition of hire, meaning that when you reach out to a promoter, you're not saying, okay, also, you know, you got my trans, you got my my booking fee, you're going to have water, you're going to have food there. You know, no one asks that ever. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, don't expect it. You know, you never asked for it. It wasn't a condition of your hire. And, but another token of that is it is very appreciated, you know, especially by me if promoter has that bottled water, uh, especially for me because I'm flying out and I'm traveling not a lot. And um, getting, coming in at airports, you don't really want to be paying for water. It's expensive. <laughs> they upcharge everything. Um, but um, that's always appreciated. They have it. Um, I would say if you can, if you're local, always have something packed with you. Particularly if you're going to wrestle, have Powerade or Gatorade, whichever you prefer, to have those electrolytes. Because water, while it's essential, it's good. You need something to really replenish you fast, and Powerade, Gatorade to do that for you. Um, 
or even the stuff the babies drink, they have it for adults now, uh, Pedialyte. So you got to have those electrolytes. But that's more an expensive side, just stick with Gatorade Powerade. Um, if you're local, have that. If you're traveling, maybe, I would say, add that within your trans, maybe $10, $20, add it in there. So that, if that's part of your negotiating, uh, so you can get something to eat, something somewhere, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here, but again, it's not one of those things that people just reach out and they're booking, you know, they're inquiring, trying to work for promotion, saying, hey, you're going to have catering there, you're going to have this and that, you know, as part of the deal, me coming in. No one says that ever. So. Do you think as young wrestlers, the wrestlers that are coming into the business now, should be conditioned to where they do ask that question? Um, They can indirectly. I would say if it's not one of those conditions, a higher thing, you're brand new, I would, um, you know, wait maybe a week or two, not the day of the event per se, but, you know, because that's stress mode for everybody that day. But ask about a week or two, hey, will you have any food? Is it going to be any catering from your sponsors? I just want to know so I can plan my meal around. You know, just say it like that, kind of roundabout in a sense. And accept whatever answer you get as well. You know, they say no, then, hey, you got to accept that. You know, it's um, it's one of those things. It's kind of like if I had someone come to my house and said they need they you know they need to do something. It's like maybe five ten minutes. It's because you know I say you can come in my door. Doesn't mean I'm gonna feed you. So <laughs> even if you're hungry, so they kind of have the plan. You know, the independent wrestling grind is hard. No one said this is easy. Um, and you know, we have and we have visions of WWE or AEW or N-W-A-T-N-A, but you had to live in reality and know that sometimes they're not going to always have food in these places. <clears throat> Think about your trajectory. Find out what you're near if you're in a hotel. Um, kind of plan your trip out. Um, that's what I like to do. I plan on if I'm near a restaurant or if my hotel serves breakfast for free. I get, I eat enough. I eat a big breakfast where I'm good the rest of the day. Um, which I can stand to skip a few meals anyway, but still, just stuff like that, planning ahead. You know, to be fair, at one point in the early 90s, WCW even cut out catering at the TV tapings, which were like 12 hours long. So even at the national Ooh. level, it was never a given. Yeah. And thank you, you had stars there, like Ric Flair, Sting, they had to. They had to go maybe to McDonald's themselves. You know, it is what it is. Exactly. Andrew, do you have any more questions? Um, none that I can think of right now. All right, no worries. Well, Nick, you do have that show we mentioned coming up tomorrow in Borger, Texas. Do you want to tell us a little on what we can expect for that? Oh yes. Um, it's going to be amazing. Motivate Pro Wrestling presents the show entitled Overall, Overhaul. And an overhaul it is. We're upping our production. We're upping um, just everything. If you're looking at um, a hub for 
hot young talent, great veterans. This is the place to be. This is the this is the event to experience. I encourage everyone. Tickets will be available at the door to Borger Dome, Borger, Texas. Um, you'll see a fantastic roster all coming together, putting on best matches you know possible for each and every fan. And we have our new heavyweight champion, um, Sama Tamu, um, who beat Gino Rivera at the last event in December. So let's see what's up for him. And you'll have um, you have people, you'll have Scratch, Thomas Silva, um, Jay Hazard and stuff. You know, Jay Hazard, last event, um, cast left him, you know, high and dry. Um, he's saying, you know, in this, He's saying that he's moving on, but does a man really move on that fast um, when he's been in love and didn't get his heart stomped on, you know? So questions like that would be answered. What's next for him? You have a mystery opponent for um, the former Boomtown champion, um, Draven Reeves. Who will it be? Will it be somebody from his past? Will it be somebody that he's just not expecting at all? I know it's going to be someone that the fans aren't expecting, so this is going to be something to witness. Um, also, in addition to that, I want to encourage people to follow Motivate Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Like and follow that page. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, they put up their um, – they have several past events up there. This last one, we um, break it into episodes. For our December event, first episode is up, and it's the first one that features commentary by yours truly. Um, did it solo, and um, hope you all enjoy it. I hope it's, um, you know, if you become a fan of the product, come and witness it live. Nothing like the live experience. So I just really want everyone there. You're going to have um, Dr. Payne is back, um, half the tag team champions for Sebastian Envy. So, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fantastic show. Anything can happen. You gotta be there live. Longtime wrestling fans will remember that Forger, Texas is the home of former AWA world champion Stan the Lariat Hansen. Do you ever cross yep. paths with Stan Hansen down there? Oh, I haven't yet, but that'd be awesome just to meet him. Um, I remember doing trade, uh, tape trading like back in the day and seeing him versus Vader and just being like blown away. I'm like, holy crap, and seeing that. And, you know, just to be able to meet him would be awesome. Well, we're getting down to the last little bit of the show today, and I want to make sure that you have ample time if you want to say anything to the listeners in closing, if you want to plug and promote anything and everything, social medias, upcoming appearances, merchandise, your favorite drugstore, anything in the world, floor is all yours. <laughs> okay. Um, you can purchase my merchandise um, on Pro Wrestling Tees, um, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash scene Nick. Um, I have a lot of variety of shirts there. After the pandemic, I didn't increase my prices, so I'm, you know, quality's not cheap, but my shirts are still the cheapest out there, so that's a good thing. Um, also, my YouTube channel, um, subscribe to that, Scenic Lounge. Update um, usually um, twice a week, um, get new content up there. 
Also, I have music on Spotify, um, Amazon Music, Apple Music, wherever you stream music. I have some some music out there. Um, variety is, is um, a little bit of electronic dance, um, EDM, and also some um, hip hop and um, some jazz. So different variety for people. Um, play all my own instruments. I also have a punk rock um, EP on there um, called Damn, I Don't Want to Feel. So check that out. Um, in addition to that, uh, for upcoming appearances, by all means, please attend Motivate Pro Wrestling's event happening um, this Saturday, J- January 6th at the Borgia Dome, Borgia, Texas. going to be amazing. Um, general admission, $10, front row 15. Doors open at 6. Um, we're always prompt there, so we start the show on time. Um, also, the following week on January 13th in Greeley, Colorado, uh, Battleground Pro Wrestling. Um, I'll be there doing commentary with Skylar um, Ashwood, and it's going to be an amazing event as well. Um, tickets are on sale now. Go to their um, Facebook page to get those tickets. Um, if you're in the Colorado area, this show, this is a show worth flying out to and checking out. Um, Subscribe to their YouTube channel as well and follow them on Facebook. Also, um, in February, going back to Canada for um, Project X Wrestling in Sudbury, Ontario. Um, Going to have um, the franchise Shane Douglas there, ECW legend or just legend, period. Um, he'll be there. Um, Reverso, Marty Scroll, Josh Angel, the Dark Angel. There is this going to be a fantastic show. I have some up, uh, some more upcoming appearances happening soon. Uh, just stay tuned to my socials and find out. Well, see, Nick, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. We definitely appreciate you taking time out of your day to be with us. Best of luck to oh, you, thank you all. tomorrow night and for the remainder of your career. And hopefully, we will have you back right here again sometime soon. Oh, definitely. I enjoyed it. Thank you all so much. Thank you. All right, fans, definitely jump on the YouTube. Check out Scene Nick. If he's on a show near you, get out there and support. He does great work in a variety of roles in wrestling. So get out there and check out what he does. Good son, do you have some things you want to plug and promote? Um, well, DPW will be back uh, January 20th at Club Hectic. It's our first show of the year. It's a new venue. Uh, we'll, there'll be a ring. There'll be mini matches. Not a, not only that, it will also be CPW's 7th anniversary, along with it will be my birthday and the heavyweight champion JB, JB Moonshine's birthday celebration as well. Um, all my socials I've plugged play. I think I've put a decent amount, you know, on Instagram, it's I gotta look again. <laughs> uh, Andrew Michelson thirty two. You can find me on Facebook for at Andrew Michelson. Um, TikTok is the Good Son, I believe. Gotta look again. No, yeah, the Good Son thirty two for TikTok. That's where you can find me on social media. But yeah, uh, CPW, we're coming back and we're coming back harder than ever this year. Um, new venue, uh, you know, it, it's. it's seems to be like it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And fans, you can find myself and Chicken Bob tomorrow night. We will be in 
Ocean Shores at the Ocean Shores Convention Center for Rogue Wrestling Attractions' first show of the year. Going to be a lot of great matches happening there. Looking to have a packed house, so make sure if you're near Ocean Shores, come by and check us out. Bell time is 6 p.m. tomorrow. And then I will, of course, be at the CPW event that the Good Son mentioned. So you can find myself and check them out there. You can find me on the social media, at SignGuyHPW over on the X slash Twitter, TheSignGuy77 on the YouTubes. Hopefully you subscribe, or otherwise Stomp and Steve will get a sneezy head. And on the Book of Faces, look up SignGuy, you will find me there. Chicken Bob also available on all social media platforms that I just mentioned. He's very socially active for a chicken. So that's where you can find us. We will be back with you Sunday afternoon. We have coming to the show Charlie Bravo out of Oregon. He works for PNPW. We're looking forward to having him. And then next week, a longtime veteran of professional wrestling, King Kalua will join us. Uh, I first met King Kalua in person in North Carolina at a Goud show, but I have known of him for a long, long time. He's a great performer. Definitely be here next week to check that out. And then on the 14th, we have a Buddhist special coming up as we get a later than normal start on Turnbuckle Turmoil that day. 6 p.m. start as we welcome the Drip Goat Cosmo Williams to the show. So make sure you, you are with us for that. First time Cosmo will be joining us. So that's what we have going on. And as we wrap up today, some really sad news to report. A couple of days ago, we lost Peggy Gilbert, who was the wife of the late Tommy Gilbert, as well as the late Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert's mother. She, of course, is the mother of Dangerous Doug Gilbert. Uh, We will definitely miss her. Anyone that met her or came into contact with her knows she was a fantastic person. She treated us like family when we would go to visit her in Tennessee. Uh, We will all miss her. So condolences go out to the family of Peggy Gilbert. Also this week, on the 31st, we lost J.T. Branham, who, of course, was a multi-time guest of this very program. He did live caller commentary the first time we attempted it for a show uh, going out over our airwaves. And J.T. was most likely the most universally loved person in the a wrestling scene in the state of Indiana. He could go to any locker room he wanted, any time he wanted. Everybody welcome J.T. Branham. We are definitely going to miss him. Condolences go out to his son, Matt, who also is a jack-of-all-trades in wrestling, does pretty much every role you could name. And he and his dad very close, so we definitely send our well wishes to him. We will all miss J.T. Branham, but 
as we wrap up the day, we will do our traditional tin bell salute to the ones we lost. 